For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Welcome to the zoo. With Sex Panther and Chubby Zebra. Buddy, Chubby Zebra. Chubby, I'm liking the, the, the new logo here. Uh, what, you dig that out of the trash? Where'd you find that? Ah, no, that's just a little internet search of uh, Chubby Zebra, and I thought that was very apropos. You get everything on your pizza? That looks like it's just a pepperoni pizza. You know, I, I like the meats on my pizza, maybe some onion and olive. I'm not much of a peppers or mushroom guy, but I can handle about anything else. I'm usually pretty boring because I'm cheap. Just give me the pepperoni. But if I must, I'll eat the meats. Don't give me the vegetables don't belong on pizza. And I'll just chastise anybody that thinks pineapple belongs on pizza. Where do you stand on the pineapple front? I, I don't even eat pineapple by itself, let alone on a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got quite a bit to get to work to. Uh, week four. Um, we like to review and see how we did the week before. So how'd you do last week? I uh, posted my second consecutive winning week. Not really proud of a three and two, but you never turn away money in this situation. So after a disastrous one and four start, we've rebounded with a couple three and two weeks. Sit at seven and eight for the year now, uh, which assuming everything's a one unit play is a minus 1.8 units for the year. But uh, we're trying to make it a, a turkey this week and go for three straight. I took one on the chin last week. I, I pick winners. They, my winners just don't cover. <laughs> the only one that covered was my loser, Western Kentucky. I went one and four last week. Puts me at a grand total of eight and nine. So like you, one game behind and uh, ch chasing a winning record here. Together, when we agree on games, 
we're two and three. So I don't know that uh, there's anything to read from that, but that's, I, I like to track, you know, on the big show, we have the kiss of death. And uh, I try to see if there's any uniformity when you and I agree. Are you, you finding anything with uh, our agreement or disagreement? Uh, just to, if I'm, if I'm listening to this, I'm going to fade it and make money. <laughs> You'd be at least one unit up, right? Oh man. All right. Well, we got, uh, 10 games. You and I are on two of the same games. So we'll get started. We always start on your side of the bracket here. Um, first game up, you wrote down Hawaii at New Mexico state. Now for the life of me, I can't imagine why anybody want anything to do with this game. You must see something you like. What gives? Well, this is welcome to shit show 2022. That's about all I can call this game. These are without a doubt, two of the worst college football teams in the country that they're both going through regime changes. Neither's really going very well. So far this year against FBS competition, Hawaii has been outscored 168 to 37 and allowing an FBS high 8.6 yards per play. And they've been outgained 364 to 184 by their non-FBS team uh, that they played to Kane. Their other three games, again, against Vandy, Western Kentucky, and Michigan. And in those games, the offense is averaging 4.2 yards per play, and they've had a little bit of success on the ground. They only bring back four starters. However, three of them are on the offensive line with a combined 110 starts. I think they're going to be able to establish a ground game against a very poor New Mexico State front seven. Uh, the Aggies have arguably the worst offense in college football. Their pace is slow, it's inefficient, and they average only 2.18 plays per minute, which is one of the lowest in FBS and only 4.2 yards per play. Like Hawaii, most of their starters return on the offensive line. They're implementing a new scheme, so that experience is completely nullified. Quarterback Diego Pavia averages 3.7 yards per attempt and completes only 37.5% of his passes. That's high school numbers. That's not even good high school numbers. This is truly the broken windshield game to where if you have two tickets, leave them on your dashboard. You'll come back with a broken windshield and four sitting there. Although somebody's got to do it. I'm going to get on this game. I'm going to take the points and take Hawaii plus five. Wow. Wow. Not a game I looked at. You know, Hawaii's one and three. New Mexico State's zero oh and four. You know, it used to be Hawaii at least was good at home. They were a shit show on the road, but now they're not even good at home anymore. New Mexico and New Mexico State have actually been garbage for quite a long time. Uh, this is not a game that I even looked at. Um, I'm. I think I like New Mexico State for the win, just because Hawaii is just traditionally coming. 3,000 miles across the ocean onto the mainland. It just seems to screw with their circadian rhythm, the time change. Hell, Hawaii's so far out there, I don't even know what time zone they're in. Um, but it, it's that, it's it's more of a lean against Hawaii than any confidence on New Mexico State. So uh, that's where I'm at. I'm leaning on New Mexico State. But I see a total here of 53. Are we to the point where you're starting to look at totals yet? I, I kind of peeked at him this week. Um, nothing that, that really interests me that much to, to actually put down as a play. There are a couple that uh, that I, I would lean a little bit on, and I think you're on one or maybe two of those games. So we can kind of talk about that later. These two offenses are inept. If anything, I would lean under on this. 
Yeah, 53. I'm <laughs> looking at the under maybe as well. All right, next game up, we're going to prime time. The Wisconsin Badgers are going to go to the horseshoe, take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. This thing is prime time. I believe that's where game day is at. Uh, night game. You can always count on the drunks in Columbus to show up. But, you know, Wisconsin's looked good against Patsies. Against Washington State, not so much. Quarterback Graham Mertz has been efficient, but not spectacular. The, the strong suit for the Badgers has been their defense. But you look at Ohio State, man, they looked like the team last week that we expected, uh, you know, from the very get-go. Uh, granted, it was against Toledo, but I don't get too tough on this Toledo thing. You know what? They, they, they play the max schools. They keep it in state. They traditionally do this every year. But this Toledo team is not a bad team. They put up a bunch of numbers, and Ohio State treated them like they were the Hawaii Rainbows. Um, Badgers put up, or excuse me, the Buckeyes put up a ridiculous 763 yards and 77 points last week. C.J. Stroud has already thrown for 941 yards and 11 touchdowns through three games. The key ingredient here is no picks. He hasn't thrown any picks yet. I don't as good as this Badger defense is playing. I don't see them slowing this, you know, freight train in Columbus on prime time. They're breaking out the black uniforms. The stadium is going to be blacked out. I think this is going to be an absolute blowout. Uh, I'm laying the 19 points and taking the Buckeyes. It's a big number in a conference game against what's you laid you know, 49 last week. <laughs> that wasn't a conference game. That was Alabama versus a directional school. Um, you know, this is this is one of the the top teams from the Big Ten West, which isn't really saying much over the of late. I think Wisconsin is down this year. I don't think they're nearly as good as they've been in the past. I think Ohio State's offense has found its rhythm since that opening game against Notre Dame. I can't I, I can't argue with you. I think Ohio State's going to put up a lot of points in this game. The question is, can can Wisconsin put up any? If I was going to do anything on this, I'd, I'd lean with you, and I think Ohio State's going to blow them out and, and make a statement on primetime Saturday night. Total of 57. I'm not betting it, but, man, I think – I just need Wisconsin to score like 10 points, and I think the over carries here. Uh, I think I like the over here. What do you think? I would I would lean the same way. I think – I mean, Ohio State's good for 40-something, I believe, in this game. Wisconsin's not going to slow them down. So like you said, if Wisconsin – you give me 10, give me 13 – uh, you're probably going to cash the over ticket. All right. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Next game up. What do you got? We're going to look at Florida at Tennessee. And it's not often you see a two top 20 teams and one being a double digit favorite. In theory, this could be a great game, but games obviously aren't decided by theories. Florida has completely dominated this matchup of late, winning five in a row and 16 of the last 17. Tennessee quarterback Hayden Hooker has been sensational since the start of last season with 36 passing and seven rushing touchdowns to just three interceptions. Anthony Richardson of Florida, he looked like a Heisman candidate in their season opening win against Utah, but the last two weeks, he's got an under 50% completion percentage, only 255 yards, no TDs, four interceptions, and has only rushed for 28 yards on 13 carries. Last week, Florida eked out a win versus South Florida with the help of a late pick six, short fields, and a late uh, missed field goal as well. If Richardson doesn't pick up his game and play like he did against Utah, Tennessee could win this thing by 30. 
Opposing quarterbacks, they've rushed for a combined 18 attempts and a negative 22 yards versus Tennessee this season. That being said, I think Tennessee's going to keep Richardson uh, contained and win this game easily. I don't necessarily like the number, but I'm still going to play Tennessee minus the 10 and a half. Yeah, you got prime plus the hook there. Those conference games sometimes are a little tighter than you like, but Listen, I agree with you. And the thing that stands out for me here is Florida's defense. They've given up 20, let's see, 26, 26, and 31 in the three games they've played this season. Tennessee's been putting up over 550 yards. And you mentioned that defense only giving up 83 yards per game on the ground. Um, I mean, granted, they played two max schools in Akron and Ball State. Uh, big overtime win against Pittsburgh on the road. But this is this is a game I think Tennessee does win. The ten and a half leaves me a little queasy. I probably leaning, probably leaning Florida just to, to cover the ten and a half. I don't think they win, but uh, if Richardson shows up and plays anything like he did against Utah, just close, just close to that, then keep it close enough and, and make this a one score game. So lean on Florida for me. A total of sixty two and a half. Uh, the Vegas thinks this is going to be high scoring. I think there's no doubt Tennessee is going to put up points in this game. Obviously, Florida hasn't stopped really anyone, and Tennessee's offense is made for for outscoring the other team. But this year, their defense is also there. I, I I don't want to touch this total just for the simple fact that if Richardson does get bottled up by Tennessee and he becomes one-dimensional because this game's not that, Florida's going to struggle to score points. That's why I'm thinking Tennessee could roll in this one. But – I'm not going to touch the total. Again, like I said, I don't like the number necessarily. It's not a good number to be on 10 and a half. If you've got the ability to buy it down to 10, might be a smart play just in case of a possible push. But I think Tennessee wins this one easily. Yeah, it looks like Florida will probably give up close to 30 points, if not more. So um, to, to clear that number, you're going to need Florida to put up four touchdowns. And knowing Tennessee is probably going to be closer to 35. So I'd probably be leaning the under here as well. Next game up, we're going to take a, you know, you were talking about your Hawaii, New Mexico State. We're going to talk about historical shit shows. Duke versus Kansas, one of four games featuring unbeaten teams. Yeah, we're not talking basketball here, kids. We're talking college football, undefeated Duke against undefeated Kansas after three games. I don't think Kansas has won more than three games in, in a almost a decade. Um, but th- this is this is actually going to be one hell of a game. Duke has played well, albeit against very weak competition. You know, they, they've played North Carolina A&T, nothing. Northwestern, they're down. Temple, they're down. So I, I really don't know what to make of Duke here. Kansas, on the other hand, maybe I'm overreacting to West Virginia. Overtime win against West Virginia. But that win on the road at Houston – it's not just a win. It was a three-score, 18-point drubbing of, of a good Houston Cougars team. And we go back to last year. They put up a 50 spot against Texas. This team has been putting up offensive numbers, and they seem to have found some kind of rhythm where they really push the pace and keep opposing defenses on their toes. This is, you know, quarterback Jalen Daniels is the, where you got to focus because he's one of those mobile running quarterbacks. He's good for 803 total yards. That's passing and on the ground, 10 touchdowns through three games. 
I never in my life thought, particularly in week four, I'd be taking the Kansas Jayhawks and laying points. This is, I, I feel sick to my stomach here, but I'm taking Kansas and laying seven for one unit. I can't argue with you here. I, I actually sat down last Saturday and, and watched a little bit of the Kansas-Houston game. I don't think I'd watched Kansas uh, play football in, you know, 20 years. And they're damn, they're damn good. That offense is is very fast, very athletic. I don't know how they're if, how well they'll stop teams because they have given up points, but they're not going to be stopped by very, they're going to be stopped by very few schools this year. And Duke, it's a mirage with their three and zero record. They haven't played anybody. I, I I think this is a very solid play. I'm actually surprised the numbers that low. And you brought up about the basketball angle. Um, I don't know if you noticed that Kansas Duke. North Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky, and Indiana are all three and zero. Those are six of the blue bloods. <laughs> I know I use Ben Down. I who's been down for fifteen years, but they're coming back. But traditionally, that that those are six of the best college basketball programs in the history of college basketball. And there are football teams are all three and zero this year. <laughs> who would have thunk? Sixty-five and a half. Now we know Kansas is going to score. They're averaging fifty-three points. They get anywhere close to that 53, 50 points. That's going over easy, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't see Duke uh, slowing them down. I mean, they gave up 23 to a, a Northwestern offense that's not very good, and they gave up 20 to North Carolina A&T. Kansas, I mean, a, a 50 burgers not un, unthinkable again this week from them. So, yeah, I mean, Kansas in, a, in an over in a same-game parlay looks to be taking money. I mean, it looks too easy. But you know what that usually leads to. Lost money. <laughs> lost money. Absolute lost money. All right. Uh, we're at the midway point. We're going to take a break. And uh, this is where Max, Mad Max, chimes in and uh, puts a commercial break in. So I'm going to pause here and uh, let Max put in a commercial. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, and we're back. Four games left on the slate. We're going to start with one that actually you and I are both on together. We're looking at Stanford at Washington. I'll let you go first. Where's your head at here? And I know we've talked uh, and said it in the past that we talk about what games we are going to play, but we don't talk about what side we're on uh, before we do this. Um, this is one that just off the off the top of my head, I have a feeling we're going to be differing on. So let's see what happens. Uh, Washington, they've made their presence felt in the national scene uh, in college football this year. Last week, a primetime victory 
which they pretty much dominated Michigan State. They're obviously a different group under Kalen DeBoer's leadership than they have been under Jimmy Lake in the past. In 2021, Washington averaged 22 points a game and 323 yards. Now with the DeBoer Penix reunion, the Huskies are averaging 45 points and 548 yards per game. Stanford, they arrive in Seattle off a of bye week following a 41-28 loss to USC. The Cardinal are 0-9 against the spread since last season's upset of number three Oregon in overtime. Stanford, in the loss to USC, did, however, gain 442 yards, and they have 17 starters back from last season. I see this as an opportunity to take a team that's kind of in the valley of, of the points against the spread situation versus a team that right now is riding at its peak. They haven't really figured out how to handle that success, but I think they will. I like Washington to win the game, but I'm taking Stanford to break that 0-9 against the spread streak. I'm taking Stanford plus 13.5. Very interesting. You know, Stanford's been struggling for a while now. They haven't been relevant for quite a while. And 2022, to me, is shaping up no different. I mean, compared to last season, the offense is showing signs of life, averaging 34.5 points per game through the two games, one of those games being Colgate, whatever that's worth. But 28 against USC. I don't know if Lincoln Riley knows that defense is played. Uh, he didn't play much defense in Oklahoma, and so far it's not looking like the Trojans are going to play much defense either. So I really don't know what to think of this Stanford Cardinal offense. Washington, with IU transfer Michael Penix, has looked superb. He's thrown for 1,079 yards, 10 tutties, and one pick through three games. The offense clips along at almost 550 yards per game, while the defense holds opponents to 278 yards per game. You look at the numbers they've given up as far as points per game, 18, um, but they gave up 20 to Kent State, beat them by 25. They gave up six to, I don't even know what PRST, is that Presbyterian or some? Portland State, I think. Portland State. They gave up 28 to Michigan State, but, but, big, big but. They were up 39 to 14 with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Michigan State got some garbage touchdowns to to close it in, make that thing look closer than it really was. Washington's good. They're really good. This is a team that, that I probably overlooked going into this season. I think if they come out to a big pounding lead again, they Stanford doesn't have the offense to close that gap like a Michigan State does. I think they cover the 13 and a half, and I'm going to put one unit on that. It, I, I, I see your logic on that. I, I think Stanford um, may get the backdoor cover in this. I think maybe third, early fourth quarter, Washington will be covering, but I don't think Stanford's going to let up kind of like last week and maybe get some garbage touchdowns at the end to cover it. I'd rather have the 14, but I'm taking the 13 and a half. You say you overlooked Washington at the beginning of the season. Um, as bad as my Nebraska over was, um, and I feel about that, season total i'm loving my washington over seven and a half play especially with that win over michigan state because that was a questionable one so i did i was one of the few that was on the huskies and high on the huskies to start the year but i do think they're winning here but uh, i'm taking a point so total of 63 and a half you got any uh, insight on that i think washington gets off to a fast start like they have um, Stanford, again, we may score late. They do put up yards. They do put up points. They might get some garbage times. If I was going to do anything on this, I'd probably go over the total, but I'm not touching it. 
Yeah, I'm not either. I, I don't see any reason why Washington wouldn't get close to their average of 45 points per game. If they do, I just need Stanford to score 20, which I think they probably will. So this looks like an overplay as well. Uh, next game up, what do you got? Uh, another SEC game. This one's going to be a uh, – should be a really good watch, Arkansas at Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M still riding the reputation uh, as being the preseason number six team in the country. Their offense didn't look good in week one versus Sam Houston State. They looked abysmal in week two, lost to Appalachian State, and mustered just 17 points to Miami last week. I'm thinking three weeks is giving us a trend and is showing us that Texas A&M's offense is really not very good. Arkansas, on the other hand, seems to be clicking offensively, having scored 31, 44, and 38 points. K.J. Jefferson has completed 70% of his throws, averaging 9.9 yards per attempt while rushing for 169 yards. In three games, Raheem Sanders has solidified his spot as the number one running back, averaging 146 yards per game and 6.7 yards per carry. Wide receiver and tight end depth at the beginning of the season was questionable. They don't really have a go-to, but there's three guys with double-figure receptions already, and Sanders out of the backfield averages almost 40 yards per game. I like college, I, or I like Arkansas to, to travel and go into College Station this week and come away with the victory, but I'm still going to take the point just in case. I'm taking Arkansas plus one and a half. You know, I, I actually love that play. I I think the fact that AM is favored actually has me spooked because I cannot find one rhyme or reason why they should be favored. This is a team that's, I think they've gone eight and four the last four years, ever since Jimbo Fisher got there. Um, and it's shaping up to be that way. They can't beat the, the better ranked teams. And, you know, we saw it last year with Arkansas, and it looks like that wasn't a mirage. This is a team to be reckoned with. Texas A&M is actually getting by on their defense, just giving up 8.7 points per game. But that offense, like you mentioned, I mean, it is abysmal. A total of 313 yards a game, only 208 in the air. This is probably why they didn't announce who their quarterback was until like the day before the first game of the season. The quarterback play has been very, very suspect. I should be on this game. I'm not going to jinx you and jump on this game and, and on the air while we're doing the podcast. But come Saturday, it's pretty, very likely that uh, I might make it down, down the street to the uh, betting facility and punch a ticket for the Razorbacks got a total of 48 and a half that's pretty low that's a very low college football total and I think it's a sign of what you know the odds makers think of Texas A&M's offense but they obviously must really like their defense too because if they're favored and they think it's going to be a low scoring game uh, they don't think Arkansas is going to be able to do anything offensively I was very questionable early in the season with Arkansas having lost uh, running backs and top wide receivers what KJ Jefferson was going to be able to do this year just because of the type of game that he has. Uh, but he's sh he shined in the first three weeks, and he looks like, again, uh, the real deal. Arkansas can score. I I'm not touching it just for the simple fact that that I like Arkansas in the game, and I think they're going to, you know, it's going to be low scoring. But I, I don't even have a lean on that total. It's just, it's just, it baffles me as to why it sits where it does. Um, I think A&M's defense is got, has got to be the reason, but it's the SEC. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like a 21 to 17 game, which gets you about 10 points, even under the 48. So uh, I, I'd probably be leaning the under there. 
All right, next game up, we're going to take a look at Kansas State going to Boomer Sooner. Kansas State quarterback, Nebraska transfer, Adrian Martinez, has never really been a successful passer. Through three games, he's only thrown for 304 yards. I mean, C.J. Stroud does that in a half. He's only thrown for one touchdown. That, that is not a recipe for success. Conversely, OU quarterback Dylan Gabriel has thrown for 759 yards, seven touchdowns. So far in 2022, these two teams have done something and typically not done in the Big 12. Let's play defense. Both teams are at, let's see, Kansas State's at 9.7 points per game. Oklahoma is at 10. And are we really surprised? Brent Venables, the former Clemson defensive coordinator, has instilled a toughness on the defensive side of the ball that really hasn't been seen in Norman, Oklahoma in, in decades. Um, Kansas State will, you know, they'll force their defense into to stifle Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's offense is too good. In, in 42 points per game, uh, they're just way too good. I don't think Kansas State can slow them down enough. They cover the 12 and a half. I'm, I'm laying a unit on Boomer Sooner. This one, again, based on what Oklahoma's done, now, granted, neither team's had great competition. And the fact that Kansas State last week lost at home to Lane. Right. I would expect this number to be bigger. There's something here that I don't understand. I think the odds makers know something that that we don't. This one's got me a little leery. If anything, I'd actually lean K-State, but I'm not willing to put any dollars on it. All right. Uh, 53. Oklahoma's averaging 42 points a game. 53 is the total. Feels kind of low. Uh, they obviously don't think Oklahoma is going to get to that total. They must respect Kansas State's defense a little bit. I, it it does feel low, but I, I again, like you pointed out, Martinez and the K-State offense, are they going to be able to do anything? If Oklahoma covers this thing, yeah, it probably goes over. But if Kansas State happens to cover, there's no way it gets anywhere near it. I mean, look at these defenses. K-State's given up 0, 12, and 17. Even in that loss to Tulane, it was only 17 points. Boomer Sooners giving up 13, 3, and 14. They shellacked Nebraska after that so-called coaching bump, <laughs> getting rid of Scott Frost. So uh, no revisiting of, of yesteryear of that rivalry that and Oklahoma was having nothing to do with it. All right, last game up. Notre Dame on the road to North Carolina. Can't believe this, but you're actually on this game. This is normally one I reserve for you, the Notre Dame, the you know the the swan song of the the podcast, so you can talk about your beloved Irish, and I can find ways to poke holes in them. But this one I can't I can't get away from. You know the the questions, two big questions came to mind when looking at this game: Is Notre Dame going to really eventually figure out how to generate any offense at all, and will Notre Dame's defense, which has been okay? Um, probably a little better than average. Will they be able to slow down the high-powered North Carolina offense? I'm very skeptical on that first question that Drew Pine and the Notre Dame offense will, you know, even do anything against a suspect North Carolina defense. Um, are they? Are, does Notre Dame have the ability to even show any signs of life? This has got to be the game to do it. Now, on the other hand, when we're talking about can they slow down North Carolina? Freshman Drake May has been 
superb, I guess is the only word I can put on it, with over 900 yards and 11 TDs and only one interception in his three games. Last week, while Notre Dame was surviving going 0-3, they barely survived going 0-3 with a less than convincing win against Cal, North Carolina had a bye and an extra week to, to pay attention and prepare for this game. North Carolina is going to get two starters back from injury, right tackle Spencer Rowland, defensive tackle Miles Murphy, and wide receiver Josh Downs, who's just one of the best in the country, has been practicing this week and is possible to return. Oklahoma, or Oklahoma, North Carolina is going to be ready for this game, having lost the last two to North Carolina, or <laughs> having lost the last two to Notre Dame, and two weeks to prepare. I'm riding the offense that I have more faith in, and I'm taking North Carolina and laying the one and a half to put Notre Dame at one and three on the season. Blasphemy. How dare you? I can't even argue with you. I, I like to believe I've been a Notre Dame fan my entire life. I grew up in Mishawaka right next door to South Bend. My dad was from that area. I got family in that area. So it's not like I'm, a, I'm a, just kind of picked them out of a hat. And Notre Dame's been part of my life. And uh, so I'm a homer domer, but I'd like to consider myself a realist. And, and this game has got the reality of what this season is going to be. This, this is a must win for Notre Dame. It's an absolute must win. If they don't beat North Carolina, it is a very real possibility that they don't even get to six wins and make a bowl game. All the hype that we had for Notre Dame, I think, here's here's the telling thing i didn't i didn't write down any notes so i'm just kind of making this stuff up as we go brian kelly knew he had a quarterback problem tyler buckner and drew pine were both there last year and he didn't have enough confidence in those guys he went and got wisconsin transfer jack cohen then he fails abandoned ship marcus freeman gets the job and notre dame still doesn't have a quarterback yeah tyler buckner and drew pine buckner's out for the season i like drew pine but I'm starting to wonder either the coaching staff doesn't have confidence in Drew Pine or Tommy Reese doesn't have a freaking clue how to call offensive plays to stretch the field and do anything more than, you know, five yards. Um, th there is a ton of pressure on Notre Dame for this game. And I got to be honest, I don't think they measure up. North Carolina's offense is absolutely stellar. We saw them with that, that absolute awesome game, that shootout with Appalachian State. The other two games, you know, just whatever. They're not even—they're so irrelevant. They're not even directional schools, and and they won those games. They're averaging 51 points per game, 547 yards. North Carolina is giving up 468 yards on on the defensive side. Notre Dame's offense is so stale; they're not going to come close to sniffing that number. They're—they're they're just not. If North Carolina puts up 28 points, it's really all they need—28 points—and they're probably going to beat Notre Dame by at least a touchdown. The one and a half is so suspiciously low to me. I, I don't know what Vegas is thinking. I'd love to know where the money is at because better sports betters should be pounding the hell out of the Tar Heels here. I'm with you. I, I hate fading my Irish, but I'm a realist. I don't think they're in this game. Uh, North Carolina by a lot. Give me one unit on the Tar Heels. Yeah, Total of, 55 and a half, and that seems suspiciously low to me. <laughs> well, again, what, what's going to happen is North Carolina's offense going to perform like they have of you know the early in the season, or is Notre Dame going to 
you know, step it up, stop them and, and, you know, play this into an, you know, an ugly 24 to 20 uh, football game. So you mentioned Notre Dame in their bowl and I'm just kind of, you know, perusing their schedule. This is a, a big one for them. I mean, they go one and three, they get a week off and then they got BYU in Vegas, which is obviously no gimme, uh, you know, potentially one and four. Then they got a couple winnable games, Stanford and Vegas, UNLV at home. So that would get them three wins. Then they got to go to the Carrier Dome. And Syracuse isn't the Syracuse we've seen in the past. So that's that's iffy. Clemson, you beat Navy at home or at Navy, that's four. And then you got to beat BC and USC. Um, We're not beating USC. The, you've, you're going to have to beat Syracuse. You're going to have to either, if you don't win this game, you're going to have to beat Stanford, UNLV, at Syracuse, at Navy, and Boston College. You got to win every single one of those. Every single winnable game. Syracuse has been a thorn in our side for forever. Syracuse is almost—it's almost like they beat us so much it's not even a joke anymore. It happens so often. Boston College has been a pain in the butt. I agree. I think we get Stanford, we get UNLV. Those those are horrible teams. But Boston College is a pain in the butt. Syracuse is a pain in the butt. When the season started, I was like, all right, we lose to Ohio State, no big deal. Maybe we lose to Clemson. We're ten and two. Watching USC put up the points they're putting—that's a loss. We can't. That this offense is horrible. This offense is absolutely horrible. I just don't see. Oh, we're going to find out. We're going to give it a couple years to find out what kind of coaching they're doing because they're doing a great job recruiting. If they hold on to the kids that have committed, uh, you've got a lot of talent showing up in South Bend. We do. Uh, Marcus Freeman's a great recruiter. Let's find out. We'll find out in the next three years what kind of head coach he is. I'm not scared of the future. I think he's doing a great job. I I like the coaching staff. I do have still reservations about Tommy Reese. Um, But this year, I think think it's even part of why the reason Brian Kelly bolted was because the cupboard was bare. He didn't – the running backs were thin, wide receivers thin, and I apparently didn't have much confidence in these quarterbacks. All right, that's it for week four on the zoo. We got to put together our parlay. What's your stone cold lock of the week? Well, we agreed on the one. Um, there's one game that we that we disagreed on, so we're not going there. Out of the games that I picked, the one that 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 you're not on that I like the most is obviously is Arkansas plus the one and a half. Like so if you're putting together a parlay, obviously North Carolina minus one and a half. I'll put Arkansas plus one and a half on it, and you put another game on it. Let's see what we do. Um, you know, I think I got a lot of support from you on, from on that Kansas pick. <laughs> Kansas minus seven. I think they win that one uh, going away. So, uh, any final thoughts? No, I mean for the first time. I mean, uh, since we've started doing this, I I, I think that parlays um, as solid as it comes, but. You know they, they don't they don't give away the odds on those things because people can go three and zero on a regular basis. So I like the plays. Uh, I don't like a couple of my numbers, but I think the numbers just because I don't like the number. I, I think the play is solid because I don't think the numbers right in in the Tennessee. And then I still think Stanford's going to keep that thing into single single digits. And we're we're a little opposite on that. So one of us is guaranteed a winner this week. <laughs> one of us guaranteed a winner, but. Uh... Yeah, that's it. Um, we're two and three when we're uh, when we agree on games. So we're only agreeing on one game this week. We're both on North Carolina, so maybe we can even that out. Um, your degenerate parlay: North Carolina Tar Heels, Arkansas Razorbacks, and the Kansas Jayhawks. Put those three together. Show me your ticket. I want to see if anybody's out there playing this. But um, 
we're hanging out on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Mostly it's the book club. You got to get on the Discord and join the book club. That's where we all hang out. One of these days I'll get Chubby Zebra in the book club, but I, I don't, he, technology is not his, his strong suit. So we're, we're lucky we get him in here in StreamYard. But uh, that's where we're hanging out. Get in there and shoot the shit with us. Call us out by name. We'll holler right back. But most importantly, let us know what you did last week, what you're doing this week. And when it's all said and done, kids, it's all make some money, fools. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.